Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Woodstock City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Woodstock City Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around Woodstock City Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, hey everyone, good morning. If we have never met before, my name is Alicia Dix and I'm one of the pastors on staff. And before we get started, I'm gonna go ahead and address this big thing that I brought with me today. (laughs) So Tuesday night, I got into a fight with a mandolin slicer and I lost miserably. So make sure you use that guard to slice the potatoes if you use one. So anyway, just thought you guys may be distracted if you didn't know what this was. But uh, last week, we actually started a new series called Dialogues, where we are diving into the different conversations all of us have. And this is actually a perfect series for me to be a part of because I have always been a talker. So if you've only known me as an adult, you're going to find this really hard to believe, but I actually talk significantly less as an adult than I did when I was a child. It started from the moment that I could say words. I started talking. My mom has my progress report from when I was in preschool, and it says, Alicia, is a pleasure to have in class. She's a social butterfly, but she talks too much. And I was three years old, and it just got off from there. Uh, When I was in middle school, we got letter grades A through F for conduct. And so it wasn't the academic grades that my parents had to encourage me with. Literally, it was the conduct grades. My mom bribed me to get all A's in conduct because I always got B's in conduct for talking. And when I was in sixth grade, I got all A's with my mom's bribery, except a B in PE in conduct. She had to uphold her end of the bargain, so no, I did not get a piano. That is how big of a deal it was, guys. (laughs) So conduct was really hard for me because I talked too much. When I was in high school, I was telling my girlfriends this story, and one of them looked at me and she said, and were you wearing blue eyeliner? like, what are you talking about? And she said, well, you were giving us every boring detail, so I thought you were going to tell us what color eyeliner you were wearing. It's like, yikes, at 14, that is traumatizing, but she was right. So I don't think before I speak to the people in my life, I don't think about the words that I'm saying and the impact it has on them. Y'all, I have been married to my husband, Tony, for over 22 years And bless this man for the number of words I have said to him since we have been together. And especially the words that I have said without thinking. A couple years ago, I was working from home, and I don't work from home very much. I did over the last couple of years, but before that, I didn't work from home very much, but my husband works from home full time. So this one day, I was working from home, and I like to sit at the kitchen table when I'm working from home. Not great for anybody else in my house, but I like to be where the action is, so that's where I work. So my husband came downstairs to eat lunch, and he thought, oh, Alicia's here. I'll sit down, and I'll eat lunch with her at the kitchen table, because that is what one does at the kitchen table. And so he sits down, but I wasn't eating. And so if I'm not eating, and he's sitting next to me, guess what happens? 
you can hear them chewing. And so I could hear him chewing. And I just had words that came out of my mouth. And I looked at him and I said, are you really going to sit there to eat? Y'all, it was bad enough that I thought it, I said it, and then I didn't think twice about it. And I had no idea that my husband walked around for months literal months worried about the volume of his chewing, that he was annoying the people around him. And do you know how I found out? We were at community group one night and there was some discussion question. And that was Tony's example of how I had hurt him with my words. I didn't even remember it until he reminded me and I was mortified. And if I haven't already today, I promise you I will say something without thinking because that's just what I'm really good at. But whether we realize it or not, whether we want it to be true or not, the words we say have power. They have the power to hurt the people in our lives and to stick with them for way longer than we can ever imagine. And our words can cause some of our biggest regrets. So whether we like it or not, our words are powerful I'm sure all of you can think of a time when someone in your life hurt you, whether it was a classmate or a teacher, a parent or a boss. For me, his name is Henry, and we were in second grade, and we were running in PE, and he looked at me and he said, Alicia, I heard you're poor. Well, that weekend, a friend of mine in our class, I thought she was my friend, she and her parents dropped us off after a birthday party at my house, and apparently my house did not meet her expectations, and so she went to school on Monday, and she told everybody that I was poor, and I did not want to be known as the poor kid at my private Christian school. But thankfully, it's not just the negative words that stick with us, thankfully, Positive words can stick with us too. When I was in sixth grade, I was killing it in math. I know that's probably not a common statement that you guys make, but for me, I was so good at math. So then when I was going in seventh grade, they decided they were gonna move me up to a higher level math class. So I get to seventh grade, and in case you don't remember, math skills build on each other, and so essentially I had skipped a grade in math didn't go so well in seventh grade. And so I had been a kid that had gotten straight A's and then I go to seventh grade and I got a D the entire year in pre-algebra. But because I passed, I went on to eighth grade algebra. And so thankfully in eighth grade, I had a teacher who recognized that I was actually really good at math. And she told me that. And she said, Alicia, you just have some gaps, but you're actually really good at this. And her words They gave me confidence, and she has no idea that 15 years later, I became a high school math teacher. Your words have power. We are impacted by the words that are said to us, the words that are said about us, the words that are said around us. Whether we like it or not, we can all think about somebody in our life who has hurt us with their words. They can do incredible damage. But unfortunately, you don't get to decide the words that somebody says to you. The only thing you can control are the words that you say to other people. And so for today, 
I want you to think about the impact that you can make on the people around you with your words. Because you're human, you have probably said something to someone who has hurt their feelings and you probably have no idea. Unless it destroyed a relationship, you probably don't even remember and they've been carrying it around with them. Your words have the potential to destroy a relationship or to even undermine your future. So for today, instead of thinking about all the people in your life who have hurt you with, your word, with their words, I want to challenge all of you to think about the impact and the power of your words, not someone else's, yours, because you don't have control over anybody else's words except your own, because the reality is your words have power. Your words have power. And we know this to be true. When we were kids, we were told to think before you speak. We've said that to kids in our lives. We've said think before you speak. If our words didn't have power, it wouldn't matter if we thought first. No, our words have power. So we tell kids think before you speak. But it's not just the words that we say out loud that impact others. You can shoot off a text message in a couple of seconds and you're like, should I put a period? Should I not put a period? What kind of statement do I want to make with this text message? Or you can take just a couple of minutes and shoot off a nasty email. We say words in writing that we would never say to somebody's face and especially on social media. We can post for more people to read what we're thinking And the impact that our words have can undermine our influence. So I think we need to add to think before you speak. I think we need to think before you text. I think we need to say think before you send. Think before you post. So for all of our fifth grade classrooms across America that have the reminder to think before you speak, I would like to edit it. And I would like to say, think before you speak, text, send, or post. And I think this is especially important for us today. And as we're heading into Thanksgiving on Thursday, for a lot of us, we're going to sit around a table with some people who we may not be uh, choose to be friends with if we weren't related to them. And we're dreading it, y'all. Like, we are about to sit at a table, and we know they are going to bring up the runoff. We thought the election was behind us, but now we've got the runoff. And if it's not politics, they're going to bring up faith. And if it's not faith, just fill in the blank with your favorite controversial topic. They are going to bring it up. You already know what they're thinking because they posted about it on Facebook. It's not going to go well. And if our words have power and if we can't control what they say, what are we going to do about this? And believe it or not, this struggle is not new. This has been a struggle ever since humans started communicating with each other. So thankfully, we actually have some words of wisdom, believe it or not, from the brother of Jesus. James wrote a letter to the early Jesus followers where he is telling them how to live out their faith, what it looks like to put your faith in action. It's a very short letter, but it's extremely practical. And James unpacks for us 
the power of our words. And so let's take a look at what James had to say in his letter about words. We all stumble in many ways. I think we can all agree with that, right? We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So this is kind of the summary of what James is about to tell us about the power of our words. He says, if you are able to control what you say, you can actually control your whole body. That's how powerful your words are. And then he continues, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Now, I don't ride horses. I'm guessing some of you in this room do, but I have seen a bit in a horse's mouth. And it's actually a very small thing that enables you to control this wild animal that is way stronger than you. But you can control a horse with a teeny tiny bit in comparison to this massive horse. And James says the same is true for a ship. You can actually control the direction of a ship with a very small rudder. And so what he's telling us in this illustration is that a small thing can have a very big impact. And he goes on to say the same is true for us, that our tongue is a very small part of the body, but it makes a very big impact. Your tongue has the power to impact and influence the direction of your life. So I think we wanna get this right. And then he continues, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also, also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Oh boy. Okay, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. I feel like James needed to be a little more clear about the potential damage that our tongue could do, right? Like, he is using some very vivid imagery that I think we can all relate to. You've got a teeny tiny spark, and it has the potential to do unbelievable damage. You can set an entire forest on fire by this teeny tiny spark. So what do we do? We have to be very, very careful. We cannot be careless with this teeny tiny spark because we are responsible, whether we meant to or not, we are responsible for the damage we cause with that teeny tiny spark. And that's not to say that fire is bad. Fire is actually really good. If you were to go to camping tonight, I promise you one of the first things you would do is you would set up a campfire. Fire's good, but we have to be careful We can't be careless with something that has so much power and potential to destroy. And he says the same is true for your tongue. You need to respect the power of your tongue because you can do incredible damage and destruction. 
with just a slip of the tongue. And there's this really great pastor. His name's Andy Stanley. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him, but he actually said this about the power of our words. He says, if you accidentally start a fire with your words, you're still responsible for the fire you accidentally started. But I didn't mean to. Doesn't matter. You're responsible for the fire you accidentally started, just like you would be responsible if you set a forest on fire, you can't say, I didn't mean to. No, you're still responsible for it. You can't be careless with something that wields so much power. And just in case we don't fully understand what James is trying to say, he continues, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So we've been able to tame wild animals, but we are unable to tame our tongue. That's how serious this is. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James says, one minute, you're using your mouth to praise your heavenly father, and that's really good. But then you turn around and you look at a person who is made in God's image and you say words to destroy them. He says, as a follower of Jesus, this should not be true of you. You can't praise God in one second and then turn around and curse someone made in God's image in the next And as a follower of Jesus, this isn't optional. But James is talking about the destruction here, right? But if that's not what we're supposed to do, he's also teaching us that our words can be used for good. Our words can be used for good. And we've got this little small thing in our mouth, but this tongue, this small thing, it makes a really big impact. So the question that I wanna ask all of you is, as a follower of Jesus, if that is true of you, what kind of impact do you wanna make with your words? Do you wanna use your words to hurt, to destroy, to cause damage? Or do you wanna use your words to love, to respect, to build others up, to give them confidence? If you're a follower of Jesus, there's really only one option. And I think this is more important now than ever before because I can't remember another time in my lifetime that we have been more polarized as a society than we are right now. And as a follower of Jesus, we do not want to undermine our influence by the words that we say. This is so important. We should be using our words for the benefit of others and not to tear them down. So how do we respect this power that we all have? How can we not be careless with our words? Luckily for most of us, we get to practice this on Thursday. (laughs) It's gonna be great, guys. (laughs) And I have a few ideas, not because I've mastered this, but because I have gotten it incredibly wrong. 
but I wanted to share with you a few ideas and a few things to keep in mind, especially as you're gonna sit at a table with some people you may not choose to on Thursday. So the first thing is to know your power. So we've said, your words have power, but the reality is you control the words you say. So you are the one with the power. So the first thing we need to do to be careful and respect this power is to know that we have it. Know your power. The second thing I want you to keep in mind is to decide beforehand. Decide beforehand. Now, my husband Tony is really good at reminding me of this. If I wait to decide how I'm going to respond to somebody who I know is gonna get under my skin, it's not gonna go well. That's when I tend to react. That's when I tend to say words that I regret. That's when I tend to say things that ultimately damage the relationship. So if you're about to spend time with someone or if you've gotta have a really difficult conversation, I wanna challenge you to decide beforehand how you're going to respond in that situation. I mean, this is probably not the first time that you're spending Thanksgiving with this person, and so you know where it's gonna go, and so decide ahead of time, how do I want to respond? I can't control them, but what I can control is me, and because I've chosen to follow Jesus, my words should be used for the benefit of others and not to tear somebody else down. So I wanna challenge you to decide beforehand. And this is gonna be really difficult, but I think it's so important. Last week, Matt talked about the posture of prayer. And we serve a heavenly father who invites us to have a relationship. And he wants you to come to him with the hard things. So in the decide beforehand, I wanna challenge you to actually pray about this. If you're gonna spend time with somebody this week, I want you to pray about it first. This is gonna be really hard, but I want you to thank God for this person in your life. It's really hard to say words to tear someone down when you are praying specifically for them. So I want you to thank God for this person in your life. And I want you to ask God to help you to see this person, this person who is made in the image of God to see this person the way he sees this person. God, it's really hard for me to see them the way you see them, but God, I trust you. God, would you help me see them the way you see them? Because I know you love them and I wanna honor them and I wanna honor you with the words that I say to them. And then the other thing, I want you to ask him, God, please help me be careful with my words. Please remind me in that moment how I can respond instead of react. I think it would be really important for us to do that this week. Number three, be curious. Be curious. When we are curious, we prioritize listening over speaking. James also says at the beginning of his letter, be quick to listen and slow to speak. This one is hard for me. (laughs) If I'm in a discussion with someone, we'll call it a discussion. If I'm in a discussion with somebody, I am so busy thinking about what the next thing I'm gonna say is and what my rebuttal is and how I'm gonna defend my position and how I'm gonna convince them and I'm gonna get louder and more forceful and that always works. Never, it never works. 
James says, as followers of Jesus, we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen, be curious. I think it would be great for us to lean in. We, I disagree with you, but I am so curious about how you came to that perspective, how you came to that conclusion. I want to know more. I ask follow-up questions. It actually engages me in the conversation instead of me being so sidetracked in how I'm going to react instead of use my words for the benefit of someone else. Being curious forces you to think before you speak. And it also leads you to the last one. Number four, value the person more than your point. As a follower of Jesus, this is not optional. We are instructed to value the person more than your point. Now, please do not hear me say that you have to agree and be passive. That is not what I'm encouraging you to do. But I think we can disagree without being a jerk. I think if we're valuing the person more than our point, we can actually talk about really difficult stuff and we can disagree with, with each other and not destroy the relationship. I don't know if any of you follow Adam Grant. He's an organizational psychologist and the way this guy thinks, it just blows my mind and he makes me think by the things that he thinks about. And he's got a book out called Think Again, but he also posts a thought every day and I follow him on Instagram. And a couple of uh, months ago, he posted this. Many arguments get heated, not because our opinions clash, but because we fail to show that we care. If you're going into a heated discussion with someone, your top priority needs to be, okay, I'm gonna say some hard stuff, but please remind me to show, show me that I can show them, that I can care about them. If you say it in love, then I think you can say just about anything. If you're more concerned about that person and that's why you're telling them this, I think you can say some really hard things. He says, in conflict, and we back up just a second. In conflict, the most important step isn't to defend your position. That's news to me. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I thought that was the end goal, to defend my position and convince them to think the way I think. And he says, no, that's actually not what's most important. And we can talk about hard stuff, but this isn't our end goal. Our end goal is to reinforce your relationship. It's easier to accept that you're not like-minded if you're like-hearted. Now, again, you can't control the other person. The only thing you can control is you. But I have to think, if you're leaning in, if you are valuing this person more than your point, I feel like they've got to respond in kind, right? Like, it's going to be really hard to not value you if you are being so generous towards them. Now, it's possible for sure. We can't control them. But we're only responsible for our behavior and the words that we say. 
When we value the person more than our point, it's actually an opportunity for us to connect with them, to learn more about them, to learn more about their perspective. I think we can debate and we can disagree without destroying the relationship. I really do think that's possible. So for this week, I want us to remember, above everything else, to value the person more than your point. If we do that, we're gonna get everything else right. And I say all of this to you because I've gotten it incredibly wrong, incredibly wrong. Five years ago, my dad moved to Thailand and he made it a point that he was gonna come back every year to see us, especially see his grandkids. And then we had a global pandemic. And so my dad's there, he's not in great health, and we were worried that we wouldn't see him again. And then in August of 2021, he was finally able to book a flight and he came back here. And I was so excited to see him and to spend time with my dad because it had been years since I had seen him. And so even though we were so excited, I didn't know how long he was gonna stay. If you've ever had a house guest who you didn't know how long they were staying, (laughs) you know how stressful it is. (laughs) Do you remember my husband works from home full time? (laughs) I don't work from home full time. I come here. So I got to leave every day and my husband was at home and my dad was there. And so ultimately my dad was there for 10 weeks. It was a long 10 weeks, and it's not because I don't love my dad. I love my dad so much. But y'all, 10 weeks, and we didn't know when it was gonna end because all of the COVID restrictions kept changing. And then finally, he was able to book a flight to go back, and five days before he was leaving, and throughout this time, Tony and I were giving each other pep talks. We wanted to honor my dad with our words, and it took a lot of pep talks. And we knew it was stressful on him too. We were acknowledging that, but it didn't change how stressed we were, right? So five days before he's supposed to board a plane, his cell phone stops working, like completely dead. And he has more things that he's got to get done in the next five days than I can even make a list for. And now he doesn't have a working cell phone. But I had to go get my hair cut. So I said, bye, dad. I'll see you in a little bit. I'll be back later. And so I leave him at home with Tony and my dad needs to use a phone. And so he asks Tony to borrow his phone. So my dad borrows my husband's phone and he's making some phone calls. And then my dad decides he needs to text me from my husband's phone. My dad read words of us venting, I'll put it mildly, about him. Wasn't words that we said directly to him, but they destroyed him. The last thing I had said to my dad was, bye dad, I'm going to get my hair cut. And I didn't get to see him before he left. And I didn't know if I would ever get to talk to my dad again. 
So in February, I sent him an email because that was the only way I knew how to reach him. And he replied and said, thanks, it was his birthday. And that's not the relationship that I had with my dad. But I couldn't blame him. I mean, I could justify all I wanted to. Like, it's my husband's phone. We were venting. I was talking to my husband. You should have never seen it. It doesn't matter. I'm still responsible for the destruction. Then my birthday was in October. So I woke up on my birthday and I had several missed FaceTime calls from an unknown number in Thailand. And I had voicemails, like bits and pieces of voicemails. And it was my dad. And I could tell he was not doing well. And so it was frantic few minutes to try to reach him and then I finally got to see him on FaceTime. And on my birthday, my dad gave me the gift of his words. My dad apologized to me. My dad used his words to heal. So you want to talk about the power of your words. Your words have power. And as followers of Jesus, it is our responsibility to use our words for the benefit of others, to lift them up to heal, to love, to honor, to encourage. And it's gonna be so hard. How do you respond when somebody says that to you? But you don't get to control them. You're only responsible for yours. What impact would it make in your marriage if you used your words for the benefit of your spouse? What impact would it make on your kids if you used your words for their benefit? What impact would it have on your neighborhood Facebook group if you used your words? (laughs) That was supposed to be a joke, (laughs) y'all. My neighborhood Facebook group, my husband's like, did you see this today? (laughs) But what impact could we make? There are a lot of people in this room. Can you imagine the impact on our community if we as followers of Jesus use our words for the benefit of others, it would be incredible. You wanna talk about impact? Your words have power and you get to decide how you use that power. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, This is so hard. It's so hard. James knew it was hard. Father, thank you for preserving James' words for us so that we can know we're not alone, but we can still be challenged by your truth. Father, I pray this week especially as we spend time with people who we may not choose to otherwise, I pray you would remind us of what is true and that as followers of Jesus, to use our words to love, to honor, to respect, to care, to love you by the way we love others. Thank you that we get to come to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Will y'all tell Alicia thank you? Thank you for being vulnerable, for sharing your story. And I think that that's something that every single one of us can take with us as we go into this Thanksgiving week, as we are around family and friends. And we are really excited that next Sunday, after Thanksgiving, we're going to continue this idea of these dialogues we have, these conversations we have with Elaine Scott. She will be speaking to us about one that I think is, uh, can absolutely change your life in the same way that today did as well. So uh, if you're here for the first time, we want to say thank you for being here. We'd love to get to know you, give you a little gift for showing up. You're going to go outside the doors to Rotunda where the glass wall is. Uh, that's our next room. we got some volunteers and people there would love to meet you, give you a gift for saying thanks for being here and answer any questions you may have. For everybody else, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you've got little kids, they're not in school. Hope you sleep this week. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And we look forward to seeing y'all next Sunday here at Woodstock City. Love y'all.